All right. Hey, guys. Welcome to another episode of uh, the Biomass Podcast. We've got a full night tonight. I really appreciate everyone for tying into the in-game channel and listening live here on uh, on our stream. Or if you collect us up out on your iTunes RSS feed. So really appreciate the uh, the feedback we've been getting lately. And we've got a, a pretty packed house tonight. And uh, it's it's a pretty uh, a pretty straight crew that we got on tonight. We'll be able to get into some technical discussions and probably have a good time doing it while we're at it. The um, one quick thing, uh, let's see, we've got one new CPM candidate on with us, Appia Vivian. We're going to introduce her in just a minute. Uh, we've got Aon Amadi and Koki Draven, Sryzel, Black Jacqueline, Zatara, and myself and Legend Wait for Derry, uh, otherwise known as Derry. So, again, full house tonight, but we've got a lot of things on the docket tonight. We'll be talking a little bit about what we've been doing in-game lately because uh, there's been a lot of resurgence of some, like, some old-school tactics or some old school weapons basically the the gameplay meta is changing a little bit so it'd be kind of good to talk about that uh and then we have hotfix bravo that's in the works it looks like that's almost locked if not locked now and that'll be the next uh basically you know, pseudo point iteration coming out for dust and there's a lot of numbers number crunching going on to that and there's a lot of community feedback involved particularly with the folks that you've got in the room tonight and we'll talk a little bit about the, the technical pieces of the gameplay and how the experts in the room think that it's going to affect things, you know, either positively or negatively. And, you know, sort of based on what they've seen in Alpha and potentially Bravo, where they think uh, CCP are to go. So with that, uh, we'll kind of start with our intros tonight. Zell? Yeah, um, I'm Soraya Zell. I am a leader in the Top Men Alliance on Dust514. I'm also a member of Strange Energy, which is in the Bastion in EVE Online. And I'm running for CPM. Awesome. And Aeon? He said he'd be right back for 10 oh, minutes. Oh. Appia, you're it. Alright, um, I'm Appia Vibia. Um, I want to run for CPM. I've submitted my application to Logibro. I haven't heard back from him yet because I did it over the weekend. Nicely done. Uh, what corp are you with? Um, I'm currently in Mullen Labe. Okay, awesome. Uh, and I'm Jason Larison. I'm one of the hosts here on Biomass, and I am a diplomat for the Covert Intervention Alliance and the and OSG Planetary Operations. And let's see. And Derry? Hey, this is Derry. I'm a uh, director for OSG Planetary Operations and community director for uh, OSG Planetary Operations and tech support over here for Biomass. Sweet. And Pookie Draven. I'm Pokey Draven. I'm CEO of OSG Planetary Operations and uh, Alliance Leader in Covert Interventions, and I'm also running for CPM1. Black Jackal. I gotta say it. He's the thunder from down under. I was hoping I was wondering if you were going to say that this time. Yeah? Hi, I'm the Black Jackal. I am the founder and former CEO of the Southern Legion, also running for CPM1. Uh, that's about it. And Zatara. Uh, <clears throat> hey, guys. Uh, my name is Zatara Rot. Um, I am the um, CEO of Fatal Absolution and uh, transitioning CEO back from Last of Dust, and uh, I am also running for CPM1. Good deal, good deal. Glad to have you guys all on tonight, and so we'll kind of jump right into it. Uh, what I kind of teed up for you first is like sort of what have we been doing in game lately? Like what are the things we've been trying? And, and uh, I'll kind of start it off to kind of get the ball rolling. And literally, this is just kind of time to riff off of each other and figure out if, if we're all trying the same things or maybe we're seeing some things we, we want to pick up from each other. So uh, just to lead it off real quick, I want to give a total shout out to uh, Gimbal, who also plays as Starfire Revo and Dust. Uh, he runs an awesome podcast, the Boots on the Ground podcast. And I'm totally stealing one of his ideas that I talked to him about. He got me sunk into 
uh, really putting some SP into labs and specifically small rail turrets uh, and the commando suits just for working AV. Just because we know that uh, right now AV versus vehicles, that's a, that's a pretty touchy subject for a lot of people. And depending on where you're at or what corp you're in, you, can, you always run into a problem. Do you have the right vehicle operators? And uh, particularly with dropship pilots. And dropships are very difficult to bring down with the current AV suite that we have in game. So one of the things that Gimbal kind of keyed me on to, he's a longtime lav and commando user. Uh, he gave me a couple of different fits to work on and uh, some skill plans for small turrets. And what I found is that uh, with one viable partner who knows how to read the map and like give you tactical directions, usually running a heavy suit with a forge or something like that, I can hop in a commando suit, bounce into my lab uh, that's basically kitted out with uh, big boy scanners and a proto small rail. And we have been able to slay uh, ADSs, dropships, and halves uh, pretty much at will. And it takes, it's, it's a focused effort. It takes two guys, but it's, it's kind of interesting. Like I've, I'm a long time AV player and that's just something I wanted to kind of throw out there that a lot of people use the lab as a throwaway transport. Uh, but when you use it for an offensive role and you actually skill into things and work your tactics around it, it's a really, really, uh, cheap and viable way of really harassing vehicles. Even if you don't kill a few, you'll definitely make it a little bit more interesting for, for tanks and ADSs that might be just tormenting you during a match. So that's that's one thing I've been trying. I'll just tee that up. Has anybody else kind of kicked that one around or tried that? Personally, I have been. Yeah. Personally, I've been running around lav for a fair while. Um, since they buffed the small rail tires, I've been doing the uh, the lav AV crew, I suppose I call it, with a mate myself and one other guy running around with the labs and doing AV. Uh, generally, one one in a sent one my my partner's in a sentinel suit with a forge gun, and I'm the one in the commando. Nice, nice. I found that those small rail turrets just absolutely eat up dropships. I yeah, wanted to put on, um, on my, I've got a BPO LAV, so I've wanted to put on either state missile turrets or militia missile turrets onto that because they're by far the best anti-infantry weapon. I don't that's, know how to do against um, other vehicles, though. I've been raped, uh, like, absolutely dominated a few times lately by... Um, small rail turrets on on labs just heading into ambush people just sit on the perimeter with labs and uh just wait you know um focused at at um crucial points and they've just <laughs> just mauled me a few times well yes. the last time i saw lab, the last time i saw lab use like this was actually during the replication building that two-stage map you know they used to use them to choke points and have the guys sit on the back with them i've never since then i haven't really seen them that often they just made a big resurgence recently well, I think people realize that the uh, the fire rate on the small rails is is pretty damn high, considering how much damage it does. You can pretty much down most suits in one hit. So, if you get a good gunner, you can mow people down pretty quick if your aim is good. Yeah, and the alpha, my, um, the alpha is much less of them too, like compared to a tank. There's a lot of yeah. tank users that have small rail guns on there, uh, especially rail gun like large rail gun users. And they'll just switch them out to kill the infantry. Oh, I've not seen that. I didn't understand uh, the the thought behind it. I just thought like the driver disappeared. Well, no, I think I think there's two things going on. One, the uh, the small rail turrets are just a much more effective turret right now until they they buff the small blaster turret, which really should be the king of anti-infantry work for your vehicle. That's that's uh, that's actually the intention of the small blaster was to be the king of anti-infantry. That's just the hit detection on it is shoddy. I mean, uh, 
Like, it used to have a small amount of splash damage, and you could just aim at their feet and just kill them that way, but they took it out around 1.6, I want to say. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, I mean, basically, a you know, an advanced, like, AR is better to use than I know, but like, a heavy machine gun. Why not just use small missiles, because they do about the damage of a shotgun with splash damage, and they fire faster from farther away. Yeah, I, th- I think I think the one thing I'd say about the the small, I, I've tried to use the small uh, missile turrets before, and like on a guy that actually put some skill in, like he had proto missile turrets. I didn't see any difference in effect until you got to proto uh, when we were doing AV work, and even then it was really only effective against labs. Um, and that's the one thing I like about the small rail setup on my lab is that it's it's equally effective against uh, you know labs, infantry, dropships, and you know, to be honest with you, if you get behind a tank and you're chasing a tank, you can really chew them up. You probably won't kill them unless they're already damaged, but you can really put a hurt on them with that small rail if you've got a good gunner that knows how to manage the heat on the weapon. So I, we found that, like, we've literally done the Star- Starsky and Hutch chase, you know, chasing guys down and just absolutely pummeling them with those small rails. But uh, nice. Go ahead, Buggy. I'm just saying it's it's nice that the, the the travel time on the rails. I'm not even sure if there is one for the small rails, but it's significantly less than the the missiles. That's why I, I like them because you aren't dealing with uh, sometimes glitchy travel time, you know, trying to lead targets and whatnot. The rail just hits where you want it to go, and it's that that's my primary enjoyment out of using it as a, an anti-infantry weapon. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the only thing I ask about any of the small rails is that, for the love of God, put a reticle on that thing. That's not just a freaking dot, but yeah. it's just, that's my own personal beef. The uh, so we'll move on. Zell, what do you think, man? What have you been kicking around in game? You know, I'm I'm still rolling the forge guns I've been rolling for the last couple weeks. Um, I'm enjoying the fact that I can finally kind of start to get revenge on some of the tankers um, after after many months. Um, but uh, you know, I tried the plasma cannon. Um, I was not impressed at all. At all. Um, it, it looked like from from that spreadsheet though that they're looking at still buffing it even more. So um, you know maybe it'll get some use, and I won't have wasted those skill points. But you know, I look forward to to a proper noob tube that that is somehow still balanced. But we'll see. Fair enough, brother. Uh, you, I, hey, real quick, go ahead, Ari. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, I was just gonna say that uh, you know getting a weapon like the plasma cannon, I I, I do think that there is. There, there's this very narrow band um, between being uh, incredibly useless and incredibly overpowered. Plasma like many, many so weapons. Awesome. Hey, real, real quick, sorry. Are you using just the standard forge gun or are you messing around with the assault or the breach? Um, personally, I prefer the standard one. I do like being able to move and I do like being able to hold uh, hold it for the right moment. Um, I, I think that the other two, I think that those two limitations are, are quite crippling. Um, I've actually, I, I'm trying to remember who it was, but I actually had one conversation where someone was suggesting they should remove the standard forge gun um, because it's overpowered in the, in the way that it works. I mean, um, in, in f- like the, the whole thing is, is way back when in chromosome, I, I did a lot of sniping and uh, the forge gun has from a practical sense, almost to the range of a sniper, it seems. And um, I can also kill vehicles with it. <laughs> And it's about as accurate as a sniper rifle, too. So it's it's kind of you know, it it certainly has its its uh, elements of being overpowered. Yep, uh, I think you're spot on with that. Um, Aeon, what do you think, man? What have you been up to? Well, I uh, since 1.7, I had shelved my AV fits, and you know, with Thoughtfix Alpha, I you know took them off the shelf, tried them out again, but 
frustrating, um, mostly because, you know, I was in the shield tanks that were moving too quick to do any real damage to them, and armor tanks which were just repped through them anyway. So, um, but after I got through that little, I uh, actually started running the Kaldari Assault with um, shield extenders and regulators, and yeah, honestly, um, I actually kind of like it, because I don't have the 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 speed limitations. I mean, there's definitely a noticeable time to kill difference. I'm not gonna lie, but it's like I, my gun game is good enough that I can actually make do with it and still come out with a positive KDR, unless I'm going up against like proto heavies or something. But yeah, I've been trying out the shield tanking sort of thing and you know getting into that, and uh, I want to see how it works out with uh, Hotfix Bravo. So. Uh. That's actually, that's, actually, that's a pretty good point you just brought up um, with the regulators. I and mean, we'll get into that with the hotfix Bravo. But uh, I've actually I've always ran regulators. I've been I've tried to pure shield tank. And it's it's really really hard. The um, but one thing I'd say is that whatever they do, the work they do with the reactive armor plates and the ferroscale that was legit because I can actually put a complex uh, reactive plate on and it doesn't eat just an ungodly amount of CPU and PG and that's a pretty handy little little throwdown if you're a Lodgy, if you're running a, like a Cal, or if you're running any kind of Caldari suit. That's a handy, an actual handy module now that actually is cost efficient to use. So that's a, you bring up a good point about using different uh, mods now that the hot figure going in. Let's see, and Pokey, how about you, brother? What have you been up to? I have been playing with the uh, commandos and having a hell of a time. It's it's been awesome. Uh, specifically, specced into it just so I could use the plasma cannon, um, <laughs> which is the goofiest, most fun I've ever had with a weapon in dust so far. You know, I think the <laughs> despite Soraya's uh, dislike of it, like plasma cannon's actually a, a, almost viable with the commandos too. That reload bonus really kind of helps, and the Galente uh, damage bonus is pretty sweet. So. I've been having fun with that. You know, Hotfix Alpha was, was a lot of fun. I like to run nothing but reps on my, my commando suit and, you know, the, the bonuses to the, the buff to the, the plasma rifle and whatnot. That was all really good stuff to see. So I've been having a lot of fun just trying goofy fits out and, you know, trying to break the usual mold of stack on, you know, HP and, and go for it. So I've been having a lot of fun just, you know, messing around pretty much. Have you tried putting a uh, shotgun on your commando? You know, I did it first, and I just the, the inability to close the distance just made it too hard to use. It really wasn't my play style. I I much preferred having the you know the short to to medium range uh, assault rifle and the plasma cannon for AV and infantry. No knives. I, I actually <laughs> I actually watched uh, a guy. It was it was in a pub domination. I was just messing around. I was I was I had my six skin on him repping him, and once he figured out that I had a rep tool. I didn't realize this, but he switched his AS plasma rifle to his shotgun, and he walked down the hall of the of the Galente uh, uh, research facility, the underground portion. He would literally walk right into fire, and then the minute he got into effective range with that shotgun, he would just like slamming people. He would clean whole ter- he would clean hallways like that. Uh, it was actually pretty impressive, to be honest with you. I was just kind of curious if you messed around with it. Yeah, I, I can see that working pretty well in, in certain situations like that, where it's in closed space and the enemy can't strafe around you and whatnot. You're just plowing through it. I can see that working pretty sure, well. I'm typically more in the medium to open areas, but yeah, I mean, that would be something worth trying. Jackal, what was that? Pardon, what was that? Oh, no, I, th- I thought you were talking. I'm sorry, brother. No, I remember the background there. Okay, and on that note, we'll move to Jackal. Uh, what have you been trying out in game lately, man? Uh, actually, I've been more the the target dummy. 
anything else. Being a vehicle driver, obviously, <laughs> uh, with with a few with a few of the new vehicle changes, uh, those LAVs running around as well with the the railguns on the back, stuff like that. All the new um, vehicle methods start to come come in a bit more again now. Um, I've more been on the receiving end than on the actual dealing out end. Um, however, things like dual AV commandos, stuff like that, trying to make AVs relatively viable, stuff like that. Um, yeah, my ADS has been put on the back burner for the moment. I, run out, I actually ran out of ISK, surprisingly enough. I bought about 100 of them and I've actually run out now. That'll do it. But other than that, no, I've, I've generally been on the, on the receiving end of most of the things, except for when I'm doing my um, LAV, AV team thing. Um, that's pretty much it. I'm more of a vehicle driver, so I'm happy to be target practice for anyone who happens to be driving, going around testing out these AV stuff. Yep, and uh, let's see before. We'll hit Zatara, and then we'll circle back for something with Aon real quick. Uh, Zatara, go ahead. Um, well, I hate to sound like a broken record, but um, I actually <laughs> grabbed Proficiency 3 in, uh, in Plasma Cannons. It's actually one of the the last three uh, weapons that I didn't have Proficiency 3, and I still don't have uh, any points in uh, in Laser Rifle, and I only have Level 1 in Scrambler. So I, anyway, I've been using Plasma Cannons a lot. Um, and, uh, you know, like, the, I mean... I have to say that that one bug where you um, try to swap weapons and it just delays how long it takes. I don't know if you guys have experienced that, but that one has been the bane of my existence in using the plasma cannon this last week. Um, oh, 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 yes. Like try the, it with a rail rifle. Oh, the, struggle the struggle is, is real, real, man. I'm telling you. Oh, the struggle is real. You got no. paid to do that. You got that's <laughs> bullshit. You got paid to say that. I, I was, I was you straight gonna, got paid to say that. I was gonna hold off until the shout out to the end, but but he beat me to it because he's cheap and he he just wanted to get that mill before I did. Um, that's, no, that's really mean. I will say I've also been using. Um, I I did spec up to level two Galmando. Um. And I'm working um, on getting my Galmando up to Proto, so that'll probably be the the next thing that I go up to. But um, it's also been really fun to just use my Galente Scout and see the difference. Um, the rep, like the like two complex reps, and I've got you know 21 reps is just it's insane. And uh, the the whole cat and mouse game um, that's become more evident because um, cloaks and dampening got changed. Um, has been really, really rewarding for me because uh, it's it changes a lot, uh, especially the way I approach um, ambushes. There's just been a lot of times where um, I've had Boromir or somebody um, scan me down and you know kill me, and then I've had to come in with double damps and see whether he's running that. And then if he does kill me and consistently finds me, I'd have to come in with triple damps, and it just gets really, really fun. And also just to see you know sort of people choosing on min scouts whether they want to have tank or whether they you know whether it's worth it to run one or two damps or go fully damped, it's, it's nice to, to have that choice. So that's really been what I've been focusing on. Cool deal. And just for the record, every, everybody uh, in the in-game chat or, or correction, our Skype channels and our text channels has uh, clearly pointed out that I've left out one of the valued members of our uh, expert panel here in our uh, CPM and the CPM one candidate, Aon Amati for an intro. So I will circle back to Aon who was apparently taking a hiatus when we went through his through the intros. So that's my bad. So Aon, if you can give a quick intro now, everybody knows who you are, but you're going to do it anyway, because that way I won't be ripped mercilessly in the text. <laughs> yeah, Aon Amati, um, NPC Galente Corp. And uh, if, hell, I might as well just say it, since I was going to do wait for the shout-out, but might as well. 
if CCP comes out with Hotfix Bravo on Thursday, it will be the best birthday present ever. Just saying. Aww. Yeah, we'll have a Hotfix Bravo party. Get on, CCP. I'm a huge fan. I just want to let you know, though, that CCP knew that not only was it Father's Day, but it was a Friday. We released an Eve patch this week, so my Mac client is, like, shitting the bed. So good luck with that. It's because you have a Mac. <laughs> Watch it come out on Friday, my graduation. Oh, nicely done. Okay. Um, well, I think we've kind of circled around kind of the, the wagon here with everybody in terms of, like, kind of what we've been kicking around in game and stuff like that. And, and and what? Go ahead. I'm sorry. You skip me. Oh, my bad. Go ahead. All right. Um, like uh, last uh, SP event, I finally got around to getting unlocking the twentieth suit. So I now have all twenty basic standard roll suits. Um, I've got every weapon to at least level three operation, and I capped out on drop suit upgrades a long time ago. So I've really really been trying out every single suit with every single possible combination of weapons and i've been found finding since alpha that ugh, i'm afraid i'm afraid it's going to be way too overpowered uh, especially using my glinty commando with a plasma cannon hmm. so you're finding like the 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 peel the plasma cannon with the galmando suit is going to be no, no, no. I mean, like, the plasma cannon for AV and um, oh, oh, oh. the the AR to protect yourself. Yeah. No, I, I tell you, I thought I had the, the winning combination with the uh, the Calmando with my rail rifle and a swarm as a some of a standoff sort of Overwatch kind of guy. But the problem with that is that you don't get any of the damage bonuses for, like, the Caldor missile weapon. Yeah, Mimitar gets the bonus yeah, too. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I agree with that. That's that's one thing that I think even CCP Ritati said was that they were looking at juggling some of the uh, the damage bonus or giving like a flat AV bonus to commandos. Some crazy. Yeah, I've also like I've also been playing with the uh, the assault forge gun a lot. I really like it. Nice. But hey, real quick, can you get explain to the to the folks out there what the difference uh, in mechanics is between the assault forge and the standard forge that Soraya uses? Right, the the standard forge has like. Um, a moderate charge-up time, and then you can hold the charge and aim and target where you want to shoot it at. Um, the Assault Forge has a faster charge-up time, but as soon as it reaches the charge, it just shoots it off automatically. So, um, so... The Assault Forge also has uh, higher damage, which gives it higher DPS. But the problem is that a lot of the time, if you're going against a dropship or um, a tank on steroids with a, a fuel injector, Sometimes it's hard to keep your aiming down and uh, track them. Well, um, uh, I totally see that. With the standard, for instance, I, I can take my time to, you know, when I'm fighting a dropship, 80% of the time I'm hitting the uh, I'm hitting the engine pods, which have, you know, t it takes increased damage when hit there. And I can sit there and line that up comfortably. Yeah, I like it just because um, for a long time, like a long time, I was telling people that it's easier to forge snipe than it is to use a sniper rifle. Um, so it's just like I, I would take a militia forge gun and I'd just like I'd outdo people with uh, kills per match. And I've found out that I really like the assault um, variant because it's just so good at targeting infantry. And the same with keeping up with uh, vehicles. But that's my personal take on it. It's kind of important. It's actually kind of a neat way to look at it. 
See, I, I, I don't use forge guns at all. Like, I'll own the, like, the Mahler suit, the free suits that I get occasionally. So I've never really messed around with it. Uh, but I could totally see where it could be a, a pretty fun style of play using that. Um, I've talked to a couple of people who use the assault forges, and they, they, they kind of have a very similar feel on it. That It's a little bit more useful for anti-infantry. A lot of the people that, that know me pretty well know that I've got um, over half a dozen alts all on um, passive SP. So I've been playing, I've got one character with every proto-suit and the matching proto-weapon. So I've been a forge gunner for about 10 months, um, but it's pretty new for the specific character, Appia. Okay, yeah. Hey, has anybody used a breach forge? Just a random question. Yeah, yeah. I like yeah. I like being able to move while I charge things, and, and being a stationary target does not make me happy against vehicles. Against vehicles. You just bunny hop, man. That's like the best thing. I love being on the ground with the breach. People are like, you get a you get a kill on the kill feed, and they're like, oh, you're stuck there, and then you just start hopping around, and you jump to move. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, that's gonna be ridiculous. They I really, they really, I'm a cardiac, person. Cardiac, cardiac regulators just to keep. That's moving. one of those things. <laughs> they think. You shouldn't be able to bunny hop with a breach <laughs> board. <laughs> That's just oh, ridiculous. Yeah, the, the heavies are so good at jumping, they can, you know, stumble slightly forward. That's I mean, really no, hard. No, no, everybody no, everybody no, jumps at the same speed, good, though. Good, like, three or four inch vertical leap. And an emergent gameplay, Jason. Emergent gameplay. It's not <laughs> even a jump. They're, they're tripping upwards. It doesn't count as a jump. You can't even climb over six inch You still go, like, five meters. Like, in oh, a forward okay. direction. Jihad keeping <laughs> is emergent gameplay. Hop, bunny hopping while forge gunning is not. I, I will It'll catch this. on. It'll catch w- on. Watching, watching. watching somebody bunny hop on a rooftop uh, when I'm looking at them through my uh, rail rifle scope, it, it is pretty funny. <laughs> I have to so, so, first question, does anybody understand the logic behind the breach forge gun, you know, preventing you from moving when you're charging in? It does a lot of damage. Well, oh, yeah, I get I get the gameplay aspect. I'm talking there about. There is like, no like... lore that explains <laughs> most of the things in Dust. Just leave listen, it there. Listen, leave it there. the charge it just it rattles the weapon so much. You you have to um you, you have, have to really, plant you have your to feet really... and not move, or else you'll just fall over. Obviously. Yeah, you you gotta really <laughs> dig in. <laughs> it's your drop your drop suit. If you have a breach, it gets like if you've seen on those construction trucks where they have those additional supports, they deploy to the sides. To hold it in place, it's no, it's no, got like, your drop suit gets those. <laughs> no, I think I got it. It's like <laughs> your breach forge gun is is about to cause so much devastation that if you are to take your feet off the ground, it sets off a remote explosive inside the forge gun. If you step, you, if you take your feet off the ground, the blast from the the breach forge will blow you backwards across the map into your death. That would, would be awesome. I would pay good money. If that is emergent gameplay. Game. <laughs> <laughs> we could finally get on top of the rooftops without needing a dropship. <laughs> you know, believe it or not. <laughs> indeed, to- indeed. Total, uh, a total on sequitur. I had a, a guy actually telling me that he wished that the breach forge, forge gun would deal damage to the player every time it shot, but let them be able to move. Like, it was... Like literally, like you took a small heat damage every time you shot the breach forge gun, but they could move like they could with a uh, a normal one. I I thought there was something kind of interesting to that because it's like you're literally like risk versus reward. Like how often can you shoot before it like fries your shield and goes into armor or something stupid like that? That would be an interesting idea for a makeshift Amar heavy weapon. 
Honestly. Honestly. Yeah, I, I had been talking about that for a while, the heavy laser being anti-anti-slow anti bleed. Yeah, like yeah. It, it does it does instant damage opposed to the, the forge requiring charge time, but after a while you just start, you know, basically lighting on fire and taking constant damage. So, you know, you, you can use it but at a cost, opposed to the less costly forge gun that takes a delay. Well, you know, CCP has made it, you know, kind of like they kind of hinted that they're open to making other weapon types as long as it doesn't like require new assets or coding to be put in. So Sure. I mean, it's possible, maybe. Yeah. I mean, you could just take the existing laser rifle. You've got an overheat mechanic that causes damage. You just have it proc more often for less damage over a long period of time. I mean, the, the code's there. You just got to tweak it and, and slap it into a, <laughs> a not-so-heavy-looking weapon. But, I mean, the, who cares about the art style at this point? Which, on that aspect, you know, like, one of, one of the things that we were kind of joking around about was, like, a repair tool that uses the same model but doesn't actually repair armor. Instead, it just, like, kickstarts your shield recharge. Yeah, I've been kicking that. Sure. I like that idea a lot. Actually, I'm a huge fan of that. No, it's it wouldn't actually re recharge your shields. It would just, you know, it's it basically that like an energizer or yeah, or a, a remote recharger. It's exactly what they have need. I think that'd be that'd be pretty legit, like for a Kalaji. And it so that gives you another another variant of a remote of a repper. And then you could give like one that's you know, like 40 and 40 or something like that to shields and armor or some jazz. So I, I'm a big fan of anything that gives you options. And that's, I think Pokey's right. That's something you do effectively. You're not changing any of the artwork. And all you're doing is tweaking shit in a spreadsheet. It's literally, you're giving it different tags in the, in the uh, database. And that would be very doable. Okay. So real quick, uh, what I would like, what I'd like to do is kind of take a, a few minutes and talk to Appia uh, specifically since she's new on the show and she's a CPM one candidate. Uh, and kind of uh, give her a couple minutes to kind of talk to the audience a little bit about where, where uh, she sees uh, herself as being value added to the CPM and why folks should basically vote for her. Uh, so I'll kind of start it off. Uh, you know, we'll give you a, just a minute, kind of your total soapbox, say wherever you want. And I'll just follow on with a couple of pretty basic CPM uh, candidate questions that we usually ask everybody. Uh, so that we kind of get the audience to have a little bit of better feel for you. Okay. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. So anything you want, Appy, if you can just kind of tell us why are you running for the CPM and why you think you can help? Um, I just like to, to, I mean, this is kind of a shout out at the same time, but um, I've, I've been a part of the, the Scout Registry, which was an effort by Shadi Gobang back in 1.1 Uprising, because the, the suit was just underperforming so bad, the two suits, the Galente and Mimitar, that we we got together and we formed a list of everybody. He did a really good job of keeping track of um, like KDRs and total kills for everybody that signed the list. Um, we we essentially just became a community in itself that that's basically a support group for people that play with the scout suit. Um, uh, at the end of December and in January, there's the Nova Knife event, um, and that brought people in. And there's also the announcement the scouts were getting a buff. Um, and then 1.8 came out, and the scouts were, or are, overperforming. That's really, really odd for us. But um, recently we had a, a new person join the community. Um, uh, the name was Jason Pale Eye. He was former Dust University, currently in OSG. Um, and he came to us, he came to us like, Hey guys, I want to try out this Mimitar suit. I want to try knifing people. And then we came with him with a good reception. And he kind of like, he kind of took to it. And I was I was really excited to to listen to his story as of his progression from 
the the basic Mimitar and basic knives to the ZN28s. Like that was all really cool. But um he's a he's a newer player. He he's low SP. He doesn't have the the 15 million SP invested in uh drop suit upgrades. He doesn't have a proto he didn't. I don't know what his current SP levels at. Didn't have a proto suit, didn't have the proto weapons. Um but he did and he didn't have the proto cloak. So Hotfix Alpha came and because he can't run proto gear, he his Mimitar scout, the the knifer, the the gameplay itself has just pretty much been killed because the suit has so so low HP and it's all about alpha damage. Um and then I just I'm just like it's so sad to watch a playstyle completely die. I was a sniper in Chromosome and I used to stay up high and I'd be like I'd do Overwatch. I'd I'd call out, "Hey guys, people are coming over from over here." Or I would take out people high priority targets. But come come uprising the the change to rendering system I'm just, i lost that i lost that role i was a shotgun scout as well um at 1.0 uprising 1.1 the the way rotation speed was it was just way too slow to use the shotgun in close quarters combat it wasn't until 1.2 when when they changed the the aiming and made it a little faster that i returned to the the role and i'm just i'm pretty experienced in in watching um like focuses that people have die out because of because of changes made to the game, and and the reason I want to be on the CPM is because I want to I want to do the best to to convey that certain changes are hurting the the younger the lower SP players. Um, specifically, right on, right on. the reason I can do this, and it's not just like I'm listening to people. It's not just that, but I I have also stated that I've got I've got seven alt characters. Um. My personal character has been playing since uh, January 10th last year, so quite a lot of SP. My secondary character is at 15 million, and my other ones are about 5 million, a little higher, a little lower. So I like to I like to play with the other ones just to to go out there, play with my friends, play with new people, and just experience the game from a lower SP level. And and you really get a, a different a different uh, view on the game rather than just listening to players with with old characters that are teaching new people. Um, like right now, it really feels like the game is go proto or go home. And I really wanna I really wanna protect the the low SP players and and give room for new people to join. That's uh, th- I think that's one thing that um, sets you apart from a lot of the other candidates. Uh, just. This is just sort of my personal take on it. Um, you, you've got more of a rep of kind of working one-on-one with people. And uh, a lot of people think you're a scout specialist. And, and you're obviously very knowledgeable about that. If anybody re- has read the forums, you'll, you'll see Abby has posted the forums that are incredibly detailed. Uh, they, they can go toe-to-toe with anybody. You may not agree with her, uh, but she, she'll, she'll, you know, bring the knowledge on you and the math on you if you're not, you know, just to help with the arguments. Uh, but you do run a lot of a lot of things, a lot of different uh, playstyle suits. In fact, I think the first time I ever played against you, run around in a heavy suit, which surprised the shit out of me. Yeah. <laughs> but um, the one thing I would just kind of offer is that uh, you know my personal experience with Appy is that she is an incredibly uh, effective person in a small group, working like in a squad or one on one with people, trying to coach or teach uh, you know new players or, or even veteran players who just want to learn something new about the game. So. Um, that's you kind of bring a very different angle to it than I thought you would with uh, your discussion about how you've seen the changes over time 
uh, in some sometimes negatively affect and 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 let's be honest, there are some positive effects to different people because usually if somebody gets nerfed, there's a buff to somebody else. You know, something, oh yeah, like at like the something. same time, like I'm really excited for the AR. Like I I stayed away from it for a long time because the Duval AR was just this this evil monster that that destroyed and dominated the battlefield. But but as new <laughs> weapons were added, yeah, it kind of kind of took a hit. And like low SP players, they, they couldn't keep up with um just the rail rifle and the combat rifle were so amazing. But but with this new update with Alpha, the changes to the AR and Bravo is gonna change it a little more. Like yeah, that's that's amazing for for those those longtime players that are just casual and don't log in every day. Yep, I, I think that's, that's spot on. Now, I, if you don't mind, I'd like to ask you a couple kind of uh, some basic candidate questions again, just kind of let let everyone get to know you. Yeah. Um, well, what are the probably let's say anything that's not been listed in either the hotfix or alpha or hotfix probably what are the two or three kind of quick things that you would really like to see them uh introduce into dust or tweak in dust what are like literally like your top two or three um i like to have just a an active dampener like they they've divorced the cloak from from dampening they've tried to do that Rotati tried to do that and the people working with them but I'd like to have this this item that that doesn't make you invisible, that takes up an equipment slot instead of a module slot, that that prevents you like that that hides you from active scanners. That's pretty interesting. I'm I'm just, I'm an absolute huge fan of having active modules on infantry characters. I think the the cloak is the only one I can think of, and that's I, I love that mechanic. I think if we could export more of that to the infantry, that would be a great idea. Um, um, anything else? Um. I'm certain that I have ideas and I've posted them places, but but off the top of my head, no. And um, I think I have to give credit to um, a character last with two L's for coming up with that idea or introducing it to me first. Okay, yeah, no problem. So um, we know that there's been some discussion about that there will be limited contact with the Legion development cycle for the current, for CPM1. But I think one of the things, you know, this is going to kind of branch into two questions. Like the first part of it is, um, what's like one thing, if you could only pick one thing that you really wanted to, to work with the devs working on Legion on, like what's the one facet or, or sort of the, you know, the one thing you would like to hang your personal hat on that you worked, uh, to, to make right or help to shape in Legion? What would that be? Um, I'd say fix the rendering system and no glare. Like, I, sniping was my favorite thing to do back in Chromosome, and it's just been hurt by Z fighting, the, the interaction of of um, player models on surface infrastructure, how they'll bleed into each other, and as well with glare, I think that that breaks immersion from the super sci-fi uh, setting we have, where we're not actually using our eyes, but we're using um, you know high-tech scanners to to see through. Yeah, no, I've always wondered that. <laughs> I would actually argue that glare actually adds to the immersion. Using glare is actually a tactic. Yeah, I rather like that as well. I think it could be, but I, th- I think she's got a good point. We don't even well, have any that's really different. in the game yet. Maybe, I think, maybe a vision mode or something that you can switch to. Oh, maybe. yeah, also, like, yeah, graphics. Um, lighting inside buildings um, and just lighting in general. Sometimes that, um, like, in um, the orbital artillery outpost, there are places where their light doesn't exist, and that if you turn up your your um your brightness settings either on your TV or in game, all it does is make it a brighter color black, 
And I'd really like to see like actual shading instead of just darkness. Okay, fair point. The uh, and, and so I'll kind of bridge into uh, kind of my next question. Uh, the CPM is going to be seven folks. That's um, a small. That's a small team, basically roughly the size of a dust squad. And you're going to be working with another team um, on the other side of the globe, and, and you're kind of working in a distributed manner, obviously, much like we do in game or on this podcast or whatever. But uh, one of the critical things is uh, the ability to work with people and to build teams and build organizations. Um, and, and I'll ask you exactly like I asked Zatara when he first came on. Like you've got an incredible rep as an individual player, uh, and, and you have a frictious history just like Zatara did, and some other folks did. Uh, if you're a, if you're a big enough personality to be a candidate for CPM, you've probably had some beefs with people in the past, and and that's a very natural thing. There's very few people that don't. Uh, can you go? Can you talk a little bit about how you would want to? Uh, you integrate into part of a CPM team, no matter who's on it, because you don't get to pick who's in that squad. You know, it's it's sort of who, who the player base picks. How would you, taking what you've learned over the last year or two, you know, working with inside the Dust community as a player, how, how would you integrate into a CPM team? Um, basically, what I've said in a few threads someplace, um, I, I come off across as like, uh, yeah, that, that singular entity. Um, but a lot of the times I, I really just, I take a step back on the, the features and ideas and the stuff that I post, like the individual things and focus more on, on being the, the spokesperson for other people. Um, I'd say, Hey guys, here's a topic. What do you think in, in smaller groups? Because that's, that's how, that's what I do best with is a small group. Um, and see what they go for it. Or like, hey guys, what do you think about this idea? Somebody should should like go with it if they like it. Um, personally, okay. talking to the small group, um, a lot of that, a lot of that's pretty easy. Um, I'm a playtester for a couple games. Um, they're mostly pen and paper RPGs, and I'm pretty good at talking to like, here are suggestions to developers. And and doing a little group communication with that uh, before before we send in like this was just a singular opinion and this is the group's opinion on it. So I, I figure that the the CPM the actual council itself will be working in a manner a manner similar to to collecting the opinions of playtesters. Mm-hmm. Um, That's pretty fair. Yeah, and then delivering delivering like a unified um, a unified statement. Um, I, I like to take from like um, like the Supreme Court of the U.S. how how they'll have like at the end of a verdict they'll have the majority rule and then the the minority and they'll present how how the people have disagreed how they feel and I feel like I can either help with or or take a part in in writing up um, pieces to deliver to the developers. Okay, I mean that, this is probably a pretty good way to approach it. Uh, I've, I've actually talked to a CSN member that says that they, they do something kind of like that, where everybody's opinions are laid out, but it's sort of like an issue discussion recommendation. But uh, at least the devs get to see bides of the conversation when they turn their products in. So that's a pretty good idea. Um, so that's kind of all, all my specific questions for you. Um, anything else you want to say? Any other shout outs? Why, you know, why should somebody vote for you for CPM1? And then we'll kind of move on. Um, because I've got some of the most. Um diverse 
skill set and and play styles. I know each and every one of them. And if you have a problem with uh, if you think there's something unbalanced about your gameplay experience, I can help work on you, help work with you to either advocate a, a change in it, or or maybe even help each pe- each person come up with a way to continue playing that same way in in a way that doesn't seem so unbalanced. Okay, I got you. And guys, uh, everybody out there listening. Happy Vibia for CPM1. Uh, she's another uh, really, really sharp candidate that we've got this rounding out the field. Uh, and that's one thing I just, you know, kind of as a player, as somebody not running for CPM1, like other than Derry, the only person in the room not running, um, it, it's it's really good to know that whoever gets in, whatever seven folks get in, uh, I'm pretty confident there's, a, there's more than seven really good candidates out there. Um, you know, me personally, I think that there's some that are better or best. But there's a lot of good candidates. So I, I think as a player base, we're, we're in good shape with folks like Appia uh, and the guys in the room that are getting in. So with that, we'll kind of transition on. I kind of want to tee this one up. And this is where all you all you guys can sharpen your spreadsheets and get your slide rules and you know, your little steely-eyed Google foo. But we'll talk a little bit about Hotfix Bravo. Um, we, what we've got so far is the proposed sort of spreadsheet version that CCP Rattati has put out. And there's a lot of changes in it. Like a lot of different things are uh, are kind of queued up on the table right now. A lot of small changes we've we've hinted around at some of them, some plasma rifle buffs, uh, some PLC things. I think there's some things about remote explosives on the way, and there's also some discussion about a little bit of suit module uh, or suit resource balancing that may occur during CPM or uh, correction hotfix problem. So what I'd like to do is just kind of open the table up to the group and just. You know, what do you guys think that you're either most looking forward to or you are most concerned about with what you've seen so far from Hotfix Bravo? And I'll, I'll open up the floor to that. I'd, I'd have to say the, the change to the plasma cannon. Um, what is it? It's the fire interval. Um, essentially what's changing is the, the stats on the, the sheet say it's changing from 1.5 to 0.5. Um, that's actually not going to change like the reload time, the charge up time. What's going to change is that after you fire it, when you can switch weapons. Um, and one of the like the most difficult parts to using the plasma cannon is that you need a sidearm or you need to be on a commando suit with a light another light weapon. And it's going to make it a whole lot easier to shoot off that round and then switch to to switch to your gun. And that's definitely what I'm most excited for. Uh, I want to be excited for it, but I don't think it's going to offer much to it as an AV weapon, which, you know, I'm glad CCP finally came out of the closet and actually said that it was an AV weapon, or it was intended to be, because they had mentioned that in, like, FanFest 2013 and then never said it again, because, it, you know, it hadn't been touched since it was released. <laughs> I agree with you, Aeon. <clears throat> like, that, I, gotta, I gotta say that, man, it, it, that was the most frustrating thing, it was having the plasma cannon and Uprising 1.1 and then from that point on, they never touched it again until Hotfix Alpha. <laughs> it was just ridiculous. You're still not going to be soloing at any like competent tanker. The only people you're going to be killing are either A, if your equipment slot is remotes, or if you found somebody who got trapped against a wall or something. Yeah. But it falls into like the whole thing about like, you know, you have to kind of like pick and choose how you want to do your AV, which is really Really frustrating at the points, mostly because if you go commando, you get like the ten percent damage bonus, right, on the suit. But and you get the uh, the benefit of having another light weapon, but you don't have access to AB grenades. Or if you go assault, 
you lose the second light weapon and get the AV grenades, but you also lose a lot of defense and the damage bonus to the plasma cannon. So it's like a hit, like a it's like a major trade off on either way. It's, it's cra- kind of crazy. I I really think it's it's best for taking on LAVs. Like those guys that try to run you over, play the play with the murder taxi, and they're just like drive around you. It's it's great for that, and it also gets you a lot of points. Sure, if you if it fired faster. I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah, my that's... projectile is just damn slow. That's the problem with the AV there. It's just it's just mind. it it's too slow. It's it you know you need a big pile of shots to take out vehicles with it, and it, it's just plasma cannon is just so freaking slow. But you know, like, um, a lot of people say that, you know, it's supposed to, like, have this really high alpha damage, but a forge gun still outranks it, which, you know, confounds me, because even though it's a heavy weapon, it has a, a magazine, it has way longer range, and it has a way faster fire rate. Well, not no, fire no, rate, no. Um, the alpha damage is actually higher now than the, the standard forge gun. In edge cases, sure. Like no, no. I mean, like the the Allotech plasma cannon does more damage than the um, the Proto Forge Gun standard variant. Um, right, but if you look at uh, Gasparan's little spreadsheet, you know this is still not worth it. It's just not. <laughs> I'll tell you what I'm happy. Yeah, about. DPS over time with the magazine, I would imagine, regardless of whether the damage is actually higher stat wise, like DPS over time, you're still going to do a lot more with the Forge Gun. Yeah, that being said, though, um, I'm really looking forward to the armor repairer changes for the tanks, mostly because of the fact that, you know, the plasma cannon doesn't do enough DPS, and the big problem with it in uh, Hotfix Alpha is that it can't apply enough DPS to actually beat those reppers. So I don't think that the plasma cannon is going to be doing any more or less better than it was in Hotfix Alpha, but I think the changes to the repairers is definitely going to make a difference. I do not like the changes to repair. That's not necessarily a, a plasma cannon specific issue, though, because anything has trouble taking out like a triple rep Madruga at the moment. Like, I really, that, but I'm, I'm I really, I really wish cannon. those numbers weren't changed, but it was just made an active module again instead of instead of this constant super high permanent passive reps. I, I think yeah. it just increases the stacking penalty. I, I, that's what I can't figure out. If, if the issue is always when you have more than one thing of whatever that thing is that makes makes your makes the game. It makes is becomes basically overpowered or near overpowered. Increase the penalty to having more of that one thing. CCP Batati did actually mention something about that. He said that doesn't work well without the percentage-based modules. So since it's a flat ah, bonus, okay. a flat rate, it's actually better to reduce the actual effectiveness of the module overall. I'm a little concerned that that's going to actually affect fits that have single reps, though, opposed to the, the double or triple. I, I don't want to see the, the multi-rep be the only viable fit because you need to have multiple reps now to actually tank damage properly. But, you know, we'll see. It's 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 really got to be in the practice, not the paper. I mean, they work decent as active modules, but I think they're, I think the reason they changed them to passive was um, because of, like, the learning curve, like getting used to passive reps on infantry and then jumping to tanks with active reps. It was just... I can see how it could be confusing. Well, I mean, if there is like some sort of tutorial in game to teach people how to use things, there's yeah, but there's not, and there probably never will be. Yeah, yeah. I so uh, I'm just went with the Bravo. Yeah, you're sorry. Um, yeah, I, I tried starting three times. Um, so the the thing that I'm really excited about is um uh, is actually the death of a role. Um, it, it looks like they're uh, they're gonna kill off the. Uh, throw an RE and detonate it um, concept and, and make REs actually a, a 
strategic uh, weapon. I, as a, a prevalent, um, you know, frisbee thrower, and I'm also prevalent in the act. I would have been an act of it for taking that away at the same time. I'm also really excited for that. And they're not changing the distance you can throw it, so I think they did it the right way. I'm on the fence about it. I didn't really care either way, because I didn't think it was that big of a problem. Never experienced it enough. You have, you have you to kill people. It's, it's a huge problem in PC. You should play against uh, Jolly Roger. Jolly sometime. Roger will do it. He will. You will have a match with Jolly Roger, and you will be sitting there on the forums screaming Nerf RE's for the next week. He he's not the the progenitor, but he's definitely the expert on it. I think my problem with it is that it kind of effectively made the locust grenade kind of obsolete because you're in most cases better off just chucking an RE in there and blowing it up rather than throwing a grenade. So, you know, we'll kind of see if that brings back more of a use of the locust grenades. Despite CCP's war on grenades lately, I don't understand that, but it's I because I've been playing PC for you know over a year. I've been an advocate against using locust grenades in that because. <clears throat> Someone in this channel, <coughs> um, really just you know they're for team killing. They 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 don't have a place in PC. Yeah, they do if you know it's wrong. You know what I really would like to see in a uh, hotfix Charlie is flux grenades with friendly fire and high sec. Oh, that'd be legit. <laughs> like I have a video on YouTube actually of um like I was the only guy on my team with flux grenades. I clear out this hall, like, the, like it was the Glinte Research Facility, you know, that underground tunnel where they always just stuff oh, yeah. it full of, yeah. Threw two fluxes in there, cleared it out, we run in, and then before I can even blink, my team is already stacking yeah. equipment all over the place, and I couldn't do anything about it, and it's just frame rate dip. I would love that so much. I just stand there and, and spam grenades just to burn them out, but, you know, that's a waste of time. You need, we need some way to deal with that and so not I, stand there for 10 minutes doing it. it. Here's something actually Appy and I, like, like went back and forth on the forums about, and I just kind of opened it up. It, it's like, this is usually a probably better discussion live than, you know, doing it via text on the forum. So my, my thought on RE's, RE's uh, because I'm, I'm not a huge fan of it being essentially a better core locust grenade. Uh, but I want you to be able to use it as a remote explosive. So my thought was, that the, to me, the core problem is that it's too good at anti-infantry work and and good enough and you know and in the right hands probably not too good but right just right as an anti-vehicle weapon. Uh, so what I thought they should do is actually have an anti-infantry variant that was about as powerful as a core locust, um, which is still pretty legit. I mean that that will that will kill 90% of the suits out there. If you're within inside the blast radius, well, not 90% now, but that'll kill the majority of suits if you're inside the blast radius. So you can have like a packed version with a much, much smaller uh, blast radius that was, you know, hi much higher damage that was purely for, is really centered on AV work. Let me um, just chime in real quick. Um, one of the best pieces of advice I've ever heard is as being a CPM candidate. The most important question you can ask CCP is why, and and hearing that, I can't help but ask why not just use a core locust grenade. Well, I think I think the point is it's the mechanics of how you use an RE. Like you can actually set it, trap it in the dead choke point, and yeah. yep, and you don't have to cook it. Nades and, and you can walk for away, me you got replaced with there. REs the moment that I realized that I can I can throw an RE and it's not it's like well, it's, compared it's, to it's a cooking way a nade. Too long, it's, by the way. It's one thing to adjust no, because well, the difference was Appia. Hold on, one second. What the difference Appia was the was that core locus used to be 
really great at clearing catwalks. Damage. No, well, ca no, clearing catwalks. You could throw them onto uh, onto places like um, onto the catwalks on the rings map during PCs. And so, if people wanted to camp up there, you had an easy way to do it. You couldn't do that with REs, but when they changed it so that no nades except for Flux and Sleet can up, get up oh, there. Yeah, that one. Um, it just became a, a difference of the the reason why I would use nades like locust nades became moot um, uh, unless there's like four or five heavies you know just sitting in uh, certain areas choke points and then you can you can re them regardless. Yeah. So re's just overtook core locust in every way that made core locust unique. Well, see, uh, my point is, you know, it's it's one thing if it's being used as point defense for an objective, but it's completely different if it's being thrown around like frisbees and grenades. So. I mean, yeah. If it ha if it's being used for point defense, hell yeah, sure, go for I'm, it. Well, I mean, the, just the one thing. Have, yeah, the problem you're running with is is that the the standard RE like that I can get with one with one level put into it is more deadly than a core locust grenade by far. Twice, actually, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, you know, like well, I said, not only that, but it's also you can you can drop it on the ground and it's waiting for it's a trap. You know, like it's gonna wait for you. It's not like you throw a locust on the ground and it's gonna wait until the enemy rocks over it. You know, like, like it's, so it's got infinitely it. ups, you know uh, upside. Well, if you see it, yeah, but. <laughs> the number of times that I play PC where people don't, you know, and now that you only have two flux as well, you know, it's. I mean, well, no, there was. Wait a second. Am I saying this wrong? Was there always two flux? No, no, no there, there was three. three. There was they, three, right? That was yeah. the first nerf to grenades. They took. They went from three to two, and now they're looking at removing or increasing the nanite resupply cost or stripping that away entirely. And that was my other beef, by the way, about remotes, is you can continually resupply those. Nobody's mentioned that. I always thought that grenades and REs should have a similar resupply cost because they're basically an explosive. It's just the arming mechanisms that's different in terms of the gameplay mechanics. They they did have like nearly equal nanite cost, but now now grenades cost more. That was alpha that increased those, I believe. I don't know. I just I I have like mixed feelings about the fact that I, I mean just even earlier, Jason, when you said, oh yeah, you know the re weapon, and I think to myself like it's it's supposed to be an equipment, is it or is it supposed to be an equipment? Like that sort of conversation needs to be had. And oh, that's fair. That's give it a fair, give it a clear direction because if it is supposed to be an equipment, then it it perhaps needs much less splash damage and it should simply be low enough splash that it is an AV weapon or you know situationally used on points but I don't know that's a that's a whole different conversation I don't, I don't know I think I think you actually just hit on in Aeon you, you kind of keep me on it's like you, you know you should ask you know, the why question well I think you in, in my head a piece of equipment does a job it does a specific job like a rep tool a hive every piece of equipment has a very specific job the RE by far can do the most roles, functions, or things that I can think of of any of the equipment slots or any available equipment in the game right now. And I think that's the one thing that stands out is it's it's almost too good at too many things. Well, uh, it's, technically, it's the only offensive equipment slot if you you know talk about like actual offensive capability, like being able to kill another player. Well, I, I think I think that would, that's actually an interesting way to look at. I wonder if it would be legit to say you can either carry a grenade or a modex explosive because it's in the same skill tree. It's not in the equipment skill tree. I have a thread about that. I wouldn't I be opposed that. to it. I would go for anyway, that. Anyway, guys, guys, probably a good thing to move on from these because REs weren't the only thing changed in their Bravo. What do you got, Jack? 
Um, yeah, go ahead. I'm actually, I'm, I'm actually excited about the shield changes to the, uh, oh, the uh, yeah, shield modules. That they're actually yeah, making man. shield tank. They're trying to make shield tanking an actual viable option. I've from, I've had thoughts about this myself. You know, I'm a, I'm a shield tanker. I play Kaldari in game. I'm a shield tanker. And I, I've seen so many times how many times it's you just your downtime is too large, and you don't have enough buffer to stay in the fight as long as armor tankers. So I'm glad they're actually giving a shot trying to make shield tanking oh, for infantry anyway a lot, quite a bit better. Yeah, well, I'm glad you brought that up because, like, I'm not sure if you um, saw the stat proposals, like, when they first got released in the number spreadsheet, but the regulators were set to a negative uh, 40% on the prototype. That was that actually came from a number of Skype conversations, and it were, and I honestly, like, ran the numbers on it, and it was awesome. It, like, everything about it just looked awesome. And then, like, later on, uh, Ratatai actually dropped it to negative 30% and I was just like dude no you can't just buff it by 5% and expect it to make some huge difference like have you seen the market data on these things yeah the I have, regulators I have. are non-existent yeah. the, so, the, regu the regulators are actually a really good thing if they were viable uh, they're moving the prototype from what 25% to 35% which is a massive change and it should help with the downtime quite quite a bit yeah I mean the standard and advanced still look like they suck but you know the uh, the prototype looks Definitely worth it. <laughs> so 30, 35, that's the, uh, that's the final number, right? Yeah, yeah. They're, 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 they're the final proposed number that I've got in this uh, thing here. Then we've also got our um, energizers, which, which they've only, only given about 5% of pro level, so it's not a huge buff. Yeah, the energizers and rechargers are actually pretty legit. The, the regulators have been really, if you think about it, that's really the linchpin to shield tanking. The buffer is, is always the downtime. Be negligible. Well, the downtime is what kills it really, because you can you can get up to like a hundred HP a second recharge, but you if you if you're at behind cover, not getting hit for six seconds or some of that, or whatever it is, the dead delay can be in some suits. That armor tanker who was trying to kill you will probably be around the corner by the time you pop back out, or by the time you actually start recharging your shield. See, the thing about uh, shield tanking is that you really can't look at it as a whole. Like, you know, problems with shield tanking isn't related to shield tanking in and of itself. It's related to the suit mostly because the Kaldari Sentinel has no problem with downtime once it's depleted. We all know that. It's got a one second uh, it, depleted it, it downtime. Does, it, does actually, it does actually to a point because that, that, right. that delay only well, happens when you actually hit zero. If yeah. you get hit again on armor, it goes back to the four to six second delay. Hold on, let me let me let me finish first. All right, the the thing about it is the Sentinel and the Commando don't really have a necessary need for extenders, so you can load them up with rechargers and energizers all you want. The Scouts, on the other hand, completely different playstyle. You can't put a bunch of rechargers and energizers on a Scout and expect it to live. It's just not worth it. So you can't just look at shield tanking as a whole. You have to look at it as an individual suit basis, and then you have to mod you know modify it according to that. Sure. That's my theory, no, I, anyway. No, I, I think I think you're onto it. I mean, the reality is, shield tanking is a little bit. It's just more complex than armor tanking because you're 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 working through different variants. The the only thing I just kind of offer on this one is that I I, I tend to side with Jackal on this. Is um, to me, it's your your active recharge is the is the absolute key to the suit. Now, now you are correcting that some of the suits are better at it than others. Um, but I expect a shield, uh, you know, a scout to have low buffer and high recharge no matter what. I'm, I'm kind of okay with that. But anything other than a Kaldari Scout, shaky. Um, <laughs> it, it, and I would also offer that um, shield tanking is pretty pretty important to the Mimitar suits. And I think we would all agree that of all the racial suits, they're probably the ones that traditionally 
have struggled the most. Uh, particularly like the, the, the Mimitar Lodge is kind of in a class of its own, but like all their other suits, sketchy. Yeah, the Minmatar and the MR always had like this weird sort of like kind of edge case scenario sort of thing. Right, because I mean, up. you look at Caldari and Galente, and it's very, very clear cut on what they're supposed to do, at least right now. And you look at the MR and the Minmatar, they've always been the ones that have been the most complained about for one reason or another. Minmatar usually because they can't tank where the shit and their speed doesn't make up for it. And then the MR because, you know, their speed <laughs> it's just, it's like, Opposite ends of the spectrum, whereas the Galente and the you know, the Caldera are right in the center, and they're kind of well off. It's just an interesting little phenomenon. Yeah, I'm thinking really glad to see. I think. Okay, go ahead. I was just saying, I'm nothing. I'm really glad to see what the shield tanking is. The, the rework of the actual extenders, um, uh, the, the increase in HP is nice, but also one of my biggest complaints has been the progression of HP values between standard, advanced, and proto, and that it was more of an exponential scale where you got a bigger jump between advanced and proto than you did through standard and advanced. And it looks like they've moved to more of a, a linear scale now. So I think that's also going to help quite a bit and maybe giving the shield tankers a little more a little more uh, HP to kind of give them a bit more of an edge to, to work with rather than before. It was pretty dismal on if it was even worth putting you know, an extender on your suit. So it was actually the same with the yeah, recharges as well. I was about to mention that both, both the extenders and the recharges have delineated to make it a bit more linear, whereas um, because recharges were 15, 25, and then suddenly up to 42% for the recharges. Now they're 25, 35, and 45 in the proposed changes. So it's actually more delineated there as well. So you get, yes, you get a bit more at Proto, but not much more, but the, the actual progression up is a lot more linear rather than that huge jump at the end. Well, and that itself helps a lot with some of the, the pro styling issues and pub matches because, you know, the standard gear that like, I, I use a lot of standard gear in, in just pub matches and it's it's kind of nice to pull them up and, and granted the, the proto stuff did get a bit of a buff but not as much of a buff as the standard advanced did so when you kind of give that more of a linear progression it, it makes the fighting as proto guys a bit easier rather than, than dealing with this exponential scaling opposed to something that's more linear so I'm, I'm really glad to see that too kind of pulling the, the bottom up a bit. It's funny that you mentioned the uh, shield extenders because like when we um, it was right after hotfix alpha had been deployed and we started talking about shield modules and how to fix it in Skype channel, right? And one of the first things that I said, and, I, and like I got jumped for it almost immediately. I said, you know, like well, what if we, if we change it to instead of two thirty three sixty six, we change it to twenty five fifty seventy five? Because, <laughs> and I got jumped for it, and like, but I understand why is because mostly because my thinking was, oh my god, you know, they just, you know reduce the, the CPU and PG cost of these armor plates, people are going to be fitting armor plates and brick tanking even more, and then, you know, you've got these really expensive um, PG and CPU values on the shield extenders, we need to make them as powerful as the, and it was just really stupid and, and just definitely a fault on my part that I'm just, I think is really funny. I don't know. Um, I was saying that you should make um, shield extenders have have two-thirds the, the HP value of armor plates and yeah, that would that would increase the the HP. And yeah, yeah. And when you say it like that, yeah, brick tanking is definitely a problem. Yeah, it's just I, significantly easier to hit the... an entire magazine of my assault rail rifle and still shoot me in the face. I I hate that. <laughs> well, I mean, well, if and, you take and, a full and... full round, then like I think you're missing a bunch. Not much. <laughs> Not if you much. if you didn't notice, I did. Uh, I posted a uh, a discussion on uh, on buffing the assault. And one of the things that I did, that I spoke about on that thread was a was a particular comment that 
um, was exploratory for the most part, but it is a serious comment, and it has to do with the idea that you mentioned earlier, like uh, I think Aeon and Jason, you touched on it, on the idea that heavies end up um, having their own, like they have their pool of HP for the most part. Um, because they already, ha you know, in commandos as well. Um, and so, like, using plates and extenders for them, I mean, I, ra I rarely, if ever, hear of, um, outside of maybe Kaldari, using shield extenders, because the the pool of HP being increased is, you know, um, less significant compared to, you know, or at least is competitive with other modules that you might place there. Whereas, like, I, the point that I'm getting to is, what if, uh, um, instead of, like, for a scout, um, plates and shields being able having the capacity to provide you with 80% of your HP pool it was lower and most of the HP that you got on your on your frame came from base HP and the you know here's an arbitrary number but the most amount of HP that you could add to your frame was like 30%. This way would make other modules much easier to be competitive with tanking. Yeah, I think I think numbers aside, I mean that's that's obviously a lot more complicated. But the idea of making active tanking more viable, and, and like you said, you can only really do that effectively on the heavier suits because you can rely on your base HP more. Like like I said earlier, I run the Galenta Commando, and I run nothing but reps on it because you've got that base HP you can work with. You can actually have your active, you know, uh, HP regeneration modules, you know, be viable. But on a a suit like an Assault or a Scout, it, you really can't rely on those because you need the HP just to survive long enough to get behind cover, you know? Well, I, I want to, I will take issue and say, you know, just, or not take issue, but just make the point that Appian knows this, you know, like brick tanking for a true scout who's shotgunning is not going to be the main priority because a lot of scouts still around with, you know, I mean, Appian could t tell you more about this, but they, I mean, they much prefer to run a kin cat over a plate. Um, yeah, you can't do that anymore though. Cause they, they took out the dampening bonus and scanning still so powerful. I mean, even and so though, I mean, I know like Ghost Kaiser, Bormir, um, Arbiter two two zero two, and many others like from FA. Just the the main people that I play with that still run Scout, um, and specifically Min Scout, they still want to run Kin Cats and try to capitalize. Like that's um, because of the way that dampening works. Like dampening provides you with almost a a give to the the push that everyone else has. Um, aside with you know, with the exception of the commando and the heavy, yeah. for base HP. I, I mean, I, for I keep, uh, having, HP. I, I keep having a discussion with with Ghost Kaiser. Like he he shared his uh, his PC Mimitar scout fit, and like he runs two damps and a kin cat, and he's posted on the forum. So I'm not like giving away any trade secrets. I hope. I'm just like, how do you do that? Any any Kaldari scout with a third precision enhancer is gonna detect you no matter what. Or, you know, the Galente with, um, you know, Protoscanner, or the, like, I don't, I don't know how you do that, like, you're, you're too, you're too low HP and you're too easy to find. Now you know why I have him on uh, home point for the most part, because the, usually if they're going to make a home point push, it's not for, it's not going to be a, uh, a Cal Scout, um, because they're worried about it being scanned up because a Cal Scout can't get under all dampening. They more likely send someone who is uh, specialized into getting under all the, all uh, all scans. So yeah, one I, thing I, I, I just offer into this to the scout four way four A, and, and this is one thing that I think is very unique to how the scouts in the dust community talk. Um, you guys are extremely good at the at the equation of how do scouts balance against each other. I would I would offer you that to any other suit other than a scout, which is 
probably going to be right now the majority of the game. There's a lot more scouts than there used to be, but the majority of suits being played are, are still not scouts. Um, it, it, you can you can dampen against many of those, if not all. Uh, so your advantage is in scout on scout play is is a whole different discussion. It's when you talk about like the heavies or the assaults or the lodgies that you're stuck. That's like you know the scouts right now ridiculously overpowered against those those other entities on the battlefield. Scout on scout is a great byplay though. Well, with the we, with the way, the way competitive, competitive play that um that passive scans goes, Jason, or even active scans with shared squad vision, I can tell you like um there's just that scout on scout play tri- like it 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 carries over into every, every other role on the yeah. field though. You can you, you can, can you can elaborate on that Appia why why is if you want. Yeah, like here's my take on it. Like um the way I see it is you have tactics of ambushing, you know, frontline assaults and flanking. Those are those are your three main things. Um, you know, frontline is pretty pretty standard, you know, let's run one person into another person. Flanking is let's go around and shoot them at the side, divide uh divide um divide their attention and focus your all of your damage on one point, and then ambush is in lane wait. What scanning does is it protects you from tactics. When you're pushing forward, it protects you from from an ambush waiting to happen. When you're on defense, it protects you from being surprised by that flanking maneuver. What dampening does, all it does is protect you. It protects you from scanning, and it only protects yourself. So one of the the point of sorry, um, one important aspect of dampening is to to maintain your tactics. That's that's why you do it, and in in scout v scout, like, um, if if you have people with no with no scouts on the field, no active scanners, anybody anybody can flank anybody. It's it's real short short scan range, um, and you're all basically blind. But once you put a single scout into that, it doesn't matter who it is. Um, the the scanners are just so different that you basically you can't dampen against it as a medium frame, um, so everyone's scanned, um, and then it just it becomes this this war of attrition between a single person trying to protect their tactical playstyle, um, and then one team member uh, sacrificing EHP or DPS to protect everyone from tactical skill. Um, right, so. Right. So when when scouts decide to attack numbers, it's I want to protect my playstyle. These are why I have to counter another scout because that's the most the most prevalent counter to me. Just to derail the uh, the scout topic yet again because we've got back on the scouts from shields. Um, I'm also looking at the Amar medium suit changes that are actually coming in. Uh, anyone had any thoughts on those? The additional low slot. The additional <laughs> low slots. The additional slots that everybody is screaming for. Was was that confirmed? Well, it says it's on proposed. So yeah, yeah. Proposed. Really oh, nice. I'm really happy for that. Well, it, it's always been since the, since they uh, first sort of came out that they had a higher base EHP in order to counteract for that single slot. It was obviously deemed that it wasn't worthwhile to do that. Yeah, it actually um, goes back to what Zatara was saying about like the whole percentages thing. Um, I think it's. I kind of disagree with it because it seems to me that it's very broad spectrum and I know like there's an appeal to have more active tanking instead of like, you know, brick tanking. But 
I think it should be something more for a specialized role and race as opposed to like, you know, the general theme or flavor. Because, I mean, like, you know, the Amar are meant for raw, hardcore buffer, whereas the Galente are meant for special, like, you know, that specialized active tanking, having a little less HP for a little bit more, a little bit faster recovery. So it's one of those things you have to kind of consider whenever you're kind of weighing the checks and balances between them. Yeah, and kind of we'll we'll round this off real quick, guys. I and I think uh, Aon and Jackal just touched on it. Like we talked a lot about the different equipment pieces, but one of the things I've noticed is that at least in the the Bravo spreadsheet they released, there were there were some significant changes to CP and PGU for some suits, uh, specifically the heavy suits. And and I, you know, my personal opinion, I think that's that's probably as important as a lot of these different changes. What do you guys think? Well, according to the, the previous notice, the other suits, the Mimitar, Galente, and Kaldari heavy suits didn't actually go up across the tiers, according to the sheet. Now they do. Yeah, I think that'll so, actually go a long way. I'd, I'd hope so, because it's, it's difficult to fit all you want on a, on a Kaldari Sentinel and stuff at the moment, as it is. Weren't this go, just go. the basic suits, though? No, yeah, they, they left the stand. I thought they left all the standards the same, but the advanced and the, the proto level. I know the proto levels got significant buffs. No, no, no. I meant, I meant basic, as in not, not roll. Oh, oh, okay. So yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I never use basic name. suits ever. I, I tell people not to. It, do, it does raise the question: Why would they do that? They, you know, the basic suits are generally skipped. Though. You get to level three, then you go into your special suit, and you generally use that from then on because a cheaper, and b you get bonuses that the basic suits don't. It's because you don't get bonuses in suits like you're supposed to. Yeah, why why bother with um, altering them if no one uses them? I mean, technically, you should get a bonus for every level of frame suit, and then when you get a specialist, you get a second bonus. So, so, similar to the Eve style. The yeah, that's, that that's, sort of that, thing, that, yeah, that was the, that was the, exactly the intent, and why they never did that, I I just I kind of boggles my mind. It's probably their stupid tagging system being a problem again. Yeah, the, the um, Unreal Engine tag system apparently has limitations in that department. No, it's terrible. It drives me nuts every time I look at it. Oh, every, every time I hear the tag system, I think, oh, bugger. You think you'd think of this beforehand, you built the system, that if it's not going to perform the way it needs to, you probably shouldn't be going with that. Because the way bonuses are applied just drives me nuts. We do have some other changes, though. Are we, we going to wrap up anything else, though? Uh, I'd like to touch on the railguns a bit, actually. Go ahead, Pokey. Um, so railgun changes. Railguns are getting nerfed uh, a bit there. And from the standpoint of tank v tank, I'm actually pretty glad about this. I feel railguns were way too good at considering how strong they were at close range. Um, I, I always get frustrated when I'm, I'm in a blaster at point blank and still getting out DPS. I mean, granted, it is a uh, more of an anti-vehicle weapon, so I'm, I'm fine with that. But I'm, I'm glad to see that they're, they're toning the damage down a bit um, and toning the fire rate down a bit and nerfing uh, the damage mods. Now, my concern with this, however... Damage. Go ahead. No, the, da the damage mods, you know, uh, in addition to the nerf, they're also making it have stacking penalties. Now, that's something that I was surprised to find out they didn't actually have. Uh, originally, they actually stacked on top of each other. So you had 20% or 30%, then you had another 30% on top of that, then another 30% on top of that. It's no wonder that, you know, militia rails with um, three stacked damage mods were actually doing two-shotting, even hard tanked tanks. Yeah, I mean, my, my biggest complaint with the game in all aspects, infantry and vehicle, is, is damage inflation. And we saw that a lot with uh, the 10% damage mods we had for infantry a while ago, and they, they've obviously reduced that to, to 5% now. And when I first saw 30% for vehicles, I, I was like, are you kidding me? 30% 
that's going to be insane with the rail guns and you know look what happened so the fact that they're adding the, da- the stacking penalty which should have been there in the first place and they're also reducing it so it's more of a, a tiered based system the 10 15 20 I'm, I'm really glad to see that um and that's again for tank versus tank now my concern comes in that uh rail guns are one of the more effective means to to fight dropships specifically assault dropships i'm concerned that with the nerf to rail guns it will make it even more difficult to kill assault dropships um for in the position of a tanker so you know maybe that's a different pass and it's, it's probably good that they handle this in, in iterations but you know I, I think dropship versus for tanks specifically is gonna be a real pain in the ass for a while here because of the, of the railgun nerf yeah, you see, I, I, I'm actually, uh, even as a tanker, I'm, I'm looking at this and thinking, okay, well, what is a tank's role on the field? It's, well, anti-tank. If you've got a railgun fitted, you, you, your general role is anti-tank or anti-turret or anti-installation sort of thing is what I would believe a role to be. Why should that also be good against dropships? Um, what I'm thinking is since these small railguns are now actually really effective against dropships, maybe in order to multi-roll a HAV, like take on installations and dropships, you have to have another turret on top that's set for that particular task. That's how I would view it. So you get your driver who's driving your tank, like me or Pokey or whatever, and then you get someone in the gunner seat whose job is to take out the dropships. Because those, those guns don't have a, um, a elevation limit. They can go straight up 90 degrees. Uh, is it 90 degrees? I know it's I know it's quite a bit steeper. I don't think well, it's 80, up, 80, but... 80 degrees, okay, almost, yeah. almost straight up. So so really, if you wanted to have that sort of um, capability, the only issue, obviously, at the moment being you can't place the turret where you want. If you want one turret, it automatically defaults to the front section where you, you generally don't want it. You're actually on top for anti-drop um, operations. But maybe that's the way they're, they're trying to push it more towards, hey, if you want to do more than one thing, have more than one person in the in the tank. That's actually pretty legit. I mean, I think we've seen that with kind of the changes to blasters recently. I've been playing with the large blasters, and you know, the the increase to dispersion is is pretty noticeable. You know, I, I can still get people at close range, but when they're further away, it takes a, a hell of a lot longer to actually get a kill. Now, the the small blasters are are still pretty good at mowing them down. So I'm kind of glad to see kind of a push towards a more you know, if you want to dominate, you're going to need two, three people in the tank to do so. That's how I look at it, you know, the fact yeah. that these, rail guns, these small rail guns are actually effective now and they're actually good to fit on a tank and have someone there who's actually watching it back from, from the sky. If you're there without, you know, tanks generally don't try to take on aerial targets, even in, even in real life, without another person guiding the second weapon sort of thing. That's, that's, that's fair, actually. That's, yeah, that's a good point. But yeah, I think... And that's coming from a tanker who likes taking out dropships for railguns. Oh, yeah. No, I'm there. I'm there with you. I, I've just learned to hate railguns because I, I hate the fact that it's the only really viable weapon right now to use, you know, in, in other against other tanks, aside from maybe a, a missile turret on a, against armor. But in most cases, you're pretty much stuck doing rails because everyone else is doing it, stacking damage mods and being a real pain in the ass. So these changes are, from my perspective as a, a guy who likes to blow up other tanks with tanks, you know, very welcome. It makes it a little more interesting rather than just, you know, glass cannon all the damage you can and hope for the best. And um, militia weapons is the other thing that I was looking at yes. as well, how we're, how we're adding in all militia weapons for most of your basic things. We're going to have militia scramble rifles, rail rifles, everything like that. How's anyone? Uh, I feel quite excited that. about I'm, I'm quite excited about ch- trying out things that, a lot of skilled into everything now, you know, pointless, but for new players especially, um, to be able to try out all these new weapons and stuff without actually being forced to run one or two militia weapons without, you know, without SP investment. 
Yeah, and I would love to see. Um, I want to see them revise the starter fits. Um, I I think you know the, I think we're as far as I know we're still all at the uh, the same starter fits we had in uh, in closed beta practically, and we're we're at the point where uh, the starter fit should be more recognize you know should recognize the fact that we do have full racial suit parity at this point well the, suit, the, the suits themselves are racial but the weapons are all the same pretty much it's the module yeah. layout stuff like that is pretty much the same like if you if you roll a ma you get a ma starter suits if you roll kado you get kado starter suits but the weapons are still the galente assault rifle and yeah stuff like well, that well i mean we have we have all of the variants, or at least enough variants, to create a compelling kit of, of starter suits that are entirely based on on the particular race of the player starting out. Yeah, another thing on the, the militia weapons, I, I noticed that it's not in the spreadsheet as a militia heavy machine gun, and I find that a little odd because there is definitely a militia. Oh, they they specifically said why they didn't have that. They they weren't sure how to they weren't sure how to make it appropriate militia. Like, um, what needed to change between the basic uh, HMG and a militia HMG if it was like overheat time um, total total um, total clip size there's a lot of factors involved with the HMG they've only just you know it, it used to be it's gone between being utterly crap to being overpowered to what it is now which is pretty well balanced but there's a lot of elements to the HMG that you can't affect just one of them and have it turn to militia level. You have to affect all at some point or some some description. Yeah, I think a mix of maybe reducing the magazine size and particularly the heat buildup, making it so it's it, it can't really be used as much of a suppressive weapon as we have right now for the standard, I think would be would go a long way. And, and reload time, which is a pretty common theme for militia weapons. But yeah, like Jackal said, I think it could be a number of things. But uh, I, I would like to see that in there because I think that if someone wants to roll heavy and try it out, uh, they should have the option to, to give it a go and not be forced to use a forge gun for their only heavy weapon for a militia variant. I mean, what do you, what do you guys think? What do you think would be a good way to, to kind of tweak the, the, the HMG to make it militia I'd, I'd probably I'd probably go with the overheat more than anything else. Um, and maybe a, maybe a wider spread or a tighter spread. I'm not sure which one actually hurts the HMG more. Usually I've, I've played it, but I don't, I don't focus on it. Yeah, I concur with the overheat because, like, you can try to like reduce the magazine count, but that's not going to like lower its efficiency in the actual heat of the moment combat. I mean, longevity, yes, but on the one v ones and the one v threes is not going to really matter. Yeah, that's fair. well, I mean, the the burst variant of the HMD is really the only one that ever overheats. So, is making the overheat on the militia one really going to? Well, I, it, it doesn't matter. Like, like I, I don't, I don't think it'll be a good, good experience for the player. Like this is how the weapon works. If if they're overheating, and then they they put one point into it and realize, oh hey, I never overheat. Well, I think that's why I said it needs to be a number of things, not just one factor, because the patient does have a lot of strengths and and not a ton of weaknesses in in some traditional regards. So I think having a little bit of everything would would definitely make it go, uh, to make it more sense for a militia version. I mean, it kind of comes down to what the main factor is are. What, what do you complain about when you're using an HMG? I mean, for me, it's it's usually reload speed is what I'm always like, God damn it, you know, it's it's pretty bad. But it needs to be more than just that because, like you said, the, the magazine is so large already that you typically don't need to be using the whole magazine before you've got time to reload behind cover and out of fire. Yeah, there's one big thing in the off-pitch barrow that we're overlooking, the normalization of all the rifle ranges. Big, oh, yeah. big thing. All the rifles... 
bit across the tiers being normalized to be the same as you're very close to. Yeah, that is actually interesting. Yeah. I didn't see that before. Like, personally, I've made um, a DPS chart for, for certain weapons, and specifically the shotgun, when they were saying in 1.8 they're going to change the proficiency from rate of fire bonus to uh, shield damage. And I specifically said that this is going to be a huge nerf this shotgun because from um, standard to proto, the, the amount of damage per shot doesn't change the number of shots to kill a suit. So one of one of like the ways to balance it I was hoping for would be increase the, the effective range of the, the proto ones. But if if all the, the standard rifles, the, the fine rifles are are normalized, that, that doesn't seem like a an action to take because that's not how the other weapons in the game are working. Well, now well, when, when they say normalized, what they're saying is, is like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, it's the tiers, so like standard yeah. to proto, like the, the range, range of that specific weapon. The range is the same. So what, what they can, could do in, I can in case kind of, of the shot. That's actually kind of legit. I'm sorry, go ahead, Jack. I'm sorry. No, no, I'm just, just trying to say that it reference Appia, uh, say that it may be legit to actually increase the effective range of the shotgun uh, proportionately. So when it is normalized, it, as it is normalized, I think normalized at the moment, You've got the extra range on all the variants rather than just on the prototype. Yeah, I, I think that would be probably a legit option. I, mean, it, I don't I only run militia shotguns, you know, like a, a BPO shotgun, but I could, I could see where that would be fairly useful, to be honest with you. It's going to be very costly for that small amount of damage increase. Yeah, and, and I've, I've said like the, the number of shots it takes to kill someone doesn't change. So so maybe like it's it's four point eight meter range for that one. But like the the what they're changing actually here, the standard AR, that's getting a huge buff to range comparatively. I wouldn't say a huge buff. Uh, just remember those figures are you divide them by a hundred and eight meters thing. So they're getting five meters of effective range. The prototype lost eight meters, so And the, the prototype lost eight meters. The all you know the, the old prototype variants generally lost a fair bit, and if you divide oh, it by yeah. 100, that's what you get. It's it's yeah. 65 meters for the assault rifle, uh, what to 70 meters. Jesus. Which um, which honestly, that combined with their DPS increase, I think it's you're going to see a lot of uh, I think you're going to see a lot of resurgence it. of the uh, yeah, you're going to see a lot of resurgence of those threads and whatnot, well, which is um. To be perfectly honest, the DPS increase is only 25 DPS. It's not a huge amount. It's only based on the rate of fire, too, not on spreading like that. Yeah, but he, okay, here's okay, I, no, this is the part where I, I usually I usually don't step in until we get to this part right here. The you know I, I'm a fairly dedicated rail rifle user. I've, I've used scramblers and a lot of other things too, but the rail rifle is what I've been using mostly. And one thing I would tell you is it, I'm absolutely on board with some tweaks to that weapon, 100%. But the one thing that I've asked CCP for and asked the CPM for is show me the average range of the kills. And anybody that tells me that it, all the all the arguments about the rail rifle or even the combat rifle in terms of range versus the AR, it's based on potential. I suspect if you actually ran the numbers that the majority of kills are within within every rifle's optimal. Or at least they're effect, at a minimum, they're they're effective of both both parties. Very rarely do you get a point where you're taking the maximum advantage of a combat rifle or a rail rifle's range. You can uh, sometimes if you actively try to do it, but the majority of kills 
are probably going to be in, in the lethality zone. Well, you know, I would really hope that a rail rifle's, you know, average kills would be within its optimal range, considering how fucking large it is. Well, well I, I, actually, I, actually poked, I, actually, I actually poked CCP Rattati about this one in the feedback threads and said he's got this uh, DPS versus range graph, um, you know, effective range, obviously. Um, and I said, hey, well, that's not enough. You know, what's what the what's the kick? What's the, the dispersion? What's the everything on, on what's the effective range of these things? What's their damage at effective range rather than in the optimal and stuff like that? And I said, we just need more numbers and we didn't get them, unfortunately. We needed more data to actually correlate these, uh, d these figures and take it away from potential DPS, which is strictly by the numbers, to yeah. actual DPS. And, and see, that's that's the part. Is like I'm, I, like I said, I'm all the, the problem with any kind of direct fire hit scan weapon is that you know everybody wants to train trade range and DPS, which is very logical. The problem is one, it's it's kind of a nice problem to have because they try to make the game so deep with different factors that run into play. You can very quickly turn something like a rail rifle to, to not really the combat rifle, but definitely the rail rifle. You could turn that into a weapon that is very hard to finish people at its optimal range. And then when you continue to make it difficult to use in close quarters, it, it's really, it really devalues weapons. Cause I, I mean, again, my, my just subjective opinion, I think the majority of kills going on are probably within the 40 to 60 meter range, which means every weapon can hit you. And like I've, and I think it's in the same thread as like, even if the guy that I'm shooting at isn't like I'm outside of his optimal or his effective and I'm actually maximizing the use of the rail rifle, the chances are I'm probably inside one of his squad mates often. Um, so that's that, that's one of the things I've always kind of wondered about when they try to balance range and DPS for the light weapons. Uh, I don't know how to do it. I, I think, like I said, it's a nice problem to have, but it's one that I don't know that we're ever going to get a, a good answer for. Well, I, th I think it's just a matter of getting getting the potential DPS, like just getting away from potential DPS and actually getting to the actual DPS that's actually being inflicted. As you said, getting just getting the stats on ranges of people killed with the weapons. You know, um, obviously, you know, rail rifle. Okay, most of the kills took place at say 55 meters. AR, most of the kills took place at 30 meters or something like that. You know, that way you can normalize for that level, which is the majority, and not not the uh, the outliers who are, you know, I've killed someone with a rail rifle at 90 meters before personally, but it was a very long shot and the guy was almost dead when I did it, but I didn't do much damage to him to kill him, but I still got the kill at 90 meters. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, uh, I mean, like, seeing the um, the AR's damage increase, if it gets to, to a point where it's a problem, I'm totally cool with, you know, cutting the range down a bit to actually make it a dedicated CQC weapon. But, you know, I don't want to, like, jump immediately into that. I kind of want to see what happens with this uh, Hotfix Bravo first. Yeah, you don't want to change too many things at once, but I'm, I agree with that sentiment. That if it's going to have insane DPS, it needs to be definitely outranged by most of the other rifles. Well, one thing that does confuse me, they, they've changed the breach assault rifle. They've actually gave it more effective range than the standard assault rifle. Now, in my opinion, according to a subscription as well, it was actually pegged as a close quarters combat weapon, why would you have a more effective range? Good question. I don't know. I, I honestly think they don't need to, like they've totally mucked up the the descriptions of what the weapons are versus what they actually are in game. So <laughs> the, you really can't uh, semi-automatic really mag sec. 
Well, not no. I mean, but think about it. Like you, like if you look at kind of the four descriptions that have assault, breach, tactical, and uh, yeah, well, tactical says high damage per shot. So cinematic, right, it's not anymore. So, yeah, and, and that's my point. Is like that's what I'm saying. Is like if, when you tell me, like to me, when you say the word breach, I'm thinking high alpha in its close range because I'm I'm like breaching into something. Uh, the longest range should be tactical, hands down. Assault is you know kind of should be the middle of the road of everything. I guess I don't know. Uh, and and the burst is I don't know it's meh you know it's kind of no different to me than the assault rifle really because I can get the same effect out of out of uh, you know assault rifle I can with most bursts so I, I don't know I, I just just a thought but I don't, I don't really want to like cut. burst for close quarters combat but that's, yeah, yeah, that's my style that. I mean one thing I I forget what I what I saw exactly but it was a, a CCB thing and they actually tagged. Um, I think it was, uh, they were talking about the optimal ranges of the rifles back at 1.7, maybe. Um, but they tagged the rail rifle as, in quotations, a breach weapon. So I'm wondering if what they're trying to do is kind of push the, the concept of what a breach weapon is, as being more of the long-range, low-fire rate, and in turn making that breach assault rifle behave more like a, a rail rifle and less like a, like a full-auto uh, standard assault rifle, which is typically better for close quarters because of the high fire rate. Yeah, but I said high fire rate generally is better for close quarters combat anyway, so having a, a low fire rate, high damage weapon is generally not a breach sort of variant anyway. Did you guys see my uh, thread on the hip fire accuracies and yeah. some of the discrepancies? Yeah. yeah. Dude, the breach, the real rifle, and the assault rifle are all kind of jacked up. <laughs> I, I, I do not agree with you. Um, one. One quick thing, we, well, not even one quick thing, we're, we're getting close to the two-hour mark, so we really kind of need to, to kind of start wrapping it up. Uh, we'll, we'll go around the horns just for, for sort of last thoughts and stuff like that, and we'll, we'll, we'll save a pocket of time for Aeon to, like, expound on that on the next show if he wants to come on. So, um, you know, we'll kind of kick this off. We'll start from the top, and we'll have to push down through, uh, through Zell. Uh, Aeon, this time we'll get you in order. Appia, then... Uh, Pokey Jack on Darian. We'll, we'll throw me and Darian in the middle there. Uh, but again, really good discussion. I mean, we could probably talk about this for like literally another hour and a half, but just, in the interest of time, we we'll probably want to want to move on, guys. But the cool thing is we can have you guys all back in any other show. Anytime you guys ever want to come on, we'll always have you back. So um, with, with that, we're going to start with shout outs. So Zell, you're going to lead us off, brother. All right. Um, I, I'm going to give a shout out to uh, Hinox and Killer12 um, and uh, let them know that the struggle is indeed real. Um, and, Fucking uh, bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't and, care how uh, much is he's giving all of you. That's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Hinox also for his... Um, creative uh, writing efforts and uh, I, I, we, we won't be providing links to them, but I'm sure you can find them. Um, <laughs> I'm also going to give a shout out to uh, Darth, though I'm Darth Carbonite in my alliance, um, who uh, is wrong about me being a bad logi. And uh, that's it. Uh, uh, I don't know. Um, um, still a little... Still a little upset about the whole CCP layoff, so shout out to, the, to those guys. Yeah, word there. Uh, and by the way, just on quick one on that one, CCP, uh, the former CCP Saber Wing, he's still pretty active on Twitter, and, and he's, he continues to engage all of us that have been uh, talking to him. He's he's a great great dude, uh, you know. So de- definitely totally agree with you there on that one. Happy shout outs. 
Um, shout out to the Dust player, Lady Killington, for being my out of game BFF. And the Dust player, Francesca, for when she quit Dust, uh, giving me her Templar codes instead of just tossing them out the window. Ooh, nicely done. Okay. Um, and I'll give shout outs real quick to every, everybody in the channel uh, for showing up and having a great discussion yet again. Uh, shout out to the Podside crew for keeping us uh, running here on the Mumble and, and letting us use a lot of their backbone for the show. So uh, again, uh, couldn't couldn't do the show with a lot, a lot of people. Um, I do want to give a shout out to a lot of the folks in the community that's been giving us feedback on the show. Um, the reality is that we we you know we hear your feedback and then even Skype channels or just in game comments we get. Like every time that you guys talk uh, to us about the show, like what you want to hear and who you want on, that that's going to help us really serve the community better. So we're, you know, what we really wanted is provide a platform for, for, you know, people that are in the know or very knowledgeable folks or engaging folks to talk about the things the community wants to hear. So uh, anybody in the biomass channel in game or hit us up on Skype or on the forums, uh, really appreciate any of the feedback that you can give us because we want to keep making this a show that you want to listen to. So I want to throw that one out to everybody. And it is Father's Day. So I am a dad, and I am very glad it's Father's Day. I had, a, had an awesome time spending it with my kid. And I would like to give a shout-out to every everybody, one of my E bros and my dust bros that are fathers. Congratulations. Happy Father's Day. And I'll pass this over to Derry real quick. Shout-outs, brother. Uh, just kind of echo, uh, Jay, happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Um, shout-out to um, our kangaroo fighter, Faith Mal, um, listening on the stream right now. Um Shout out to my corp, OSG Planetary Operations, our alliance, uh, covert interventions, and uh, to everybody here on the stream. Thanks for showing up. Cool. And Pokey? Uh, yeah, you know, uh, shout out to, to Apia for showing up. It's kind of good to actually speak to you in person. I don't think we've ever actually played on, on comms before, so it's good to put a voice to the, the name. Uh, shout out to Derry for staying up late with us and uh, streaming despite going overtime every single time. Uh, on that note, we are probably moving the show uh, back an hour, guys. Is is that, is that cool to say now? Starting yeah, at seven we, we next, next week. Mention that actually, we're gonna we're gonna go just uh, just a little bit earlier, one hour. Yeah, so, so we'll be starting at, at seven, uh, opposed to eight, but it is at least my time. Uh, so yeah, we'll catch next week. That would be and, uh, 0200 I, Eve time. Yes, for the technicalities. But uh, yeah, shout out to my dad as well. Happy Father's Day. Up with me screaming on mic and, and spending way too much time playing this game. Uh, I know he, it drives him nuts, but you know he's a he's a good guy. So you know, uh, yeah. Thanks for everyone on the show. And like I like, like Jay said, you know, glad to have you back. We had some really good discussions. This is what it's all about. So I'm I'm glad to have you. Awesome. And blackjack. Uh, shout out to all my Aussie bros who, mind you, don't celebrate Father's Day until the first Sunday of September, not June. You guys get it a lot earlier than we do. Um, <laughs> backwards as usual. Backwards as usual, upside down, whichever way you want to refer to us as. Or well, shout out to big, all my Aussie bros, my New Zealand bros, uh, and also the Americans that have you know, listened in and who don't mind listening to my grating accent and me saying mate all the time. And shout out to the Grey Dust community, guys. You've stuck with it. For, the guys have stuck with it. Even the guys who've left, you guys, you guys have actually put a lot more support into this game than um, a lot of other games have ever had. So great work on that front. Awesome. Sitar? Um, I definitely want to give a shout um, to, my, to my own father. Um, give a shout out to my boy Boromir for making me completely ineffective in ambush matches when he's on the other side. Um, I want to give a shout out to Tech Mech Meds 
for some awesome games played this week uh, with a plasma cannon. <laughs> and um, I want to give a shout out to the guys who uh, are on the R subreddit, uh, R Reddit, uh, sorry, R Dust five one four subreddit. Um, there was a thread this week where people were talking about. Um, a thread mentioning that uh, <laughs> that the official candidates list was up, and uh, and somebody posted no Zatara. So I appreciate the patience, guys. As I as I finally finalize all the things I want to say in the little three hundred and thousand character tidbits, that's what's holding me back. All right, that's totally legit. And uh, I, I I I have to say, as I'll close the show out, that uh, I am not immune to the isk. So the struggle is real. So on that note, <laughs> that's bullshit. Sell out, sell out. <laughs> no, I, I'm looking at you. Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing the money get drawn around the other channel. I'm like, fuck this. I gotta get on this. <laughs> so, so um, on that on that, on that one, guys. Uh, great show tonight. It was a lot of really a lot of fun. I, like I said, we always go over, but that's main, mainly because we have like a really great crew on. You know, showing and show out. Um, I really, really appreciate everybody showing up tonight. Uh, and I don't know that we have the uh, title of the episode yet. It depends on how much high knocks basis. Just saying, throwing that out there, brother. Uh, but uh, again, you are all welcome back. And Appy, we definitely want to have you back on another time. Uh, the first show when everybody kind of gets to gets to kind of engage with you the first time, you know, it, it'll 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 always run long or you know catch you flat foot or whatever. But we definitely want you back uh, to engage on on this uh, some more. So anytime that uh, that you want to come back, yeah, free reign to come back just like everybody else in the, in the channel does. So. All right, guys. guys. We had a great time, and we will see you soon on the uh, on the battlefield of dust, or maybe in the skies in the eve. All right, signing off. <laughs>